Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Galatians chapter 5. Several passages of Scripture I want to share with you this morning, and, but we'll begin with Galatians chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 16 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. This morning I want to share with you a sermon that I've simply entitled, Qualified for Spiritual Service. Qualified for Spiritual Service. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revealings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Most of you are aware that our nominating committee is in the process of filling certain positions in the church, officers, teachers, positions in the church. The most difficult thing to do is not just to fill a position, but to fill the position with a person who is scripturally and spiritually qualified. In other words, a person that's been saved, a person who has had a genuine personal relationship with the person Jesus Christ, a person that's been born again. Not only that, but a person who is spiritually gifted in a particular area of ministry, who has been saved, who has received the manifestation of gifts, at least one gift, perhaps more gift, more gifts, and are allowing and is allowing God to use those gifts, spiritual gifts, to edify and to build up the church. And then a person not only spiritually gifted, a person been saved, but a person that's demonstrating a spirit-filled life and not a life of fleshly works. And then a person who is faithful in their attendance. Now, it's a shame and disgrace for any of us who bear the name Christian not to meet those qualifications. 
So first of all, in order for a person to serve scripturally, spiritually, that person must be saved. That person must be a member of the local body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And so if God is going to bless this church, if God is going to bless the leadership of this church, this church must have spiritual leaders that demonstrate, first of all, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't intend for an unbeliever to direct and lead His church. He doesn't intend for an unbeliever to to teach and lead His church. You say, well, Brother Sammy, that, that would never happen. Oh, yes, it does. It will and it does. It happens to churches all the time. Paul warned about it in his day in Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 28 just for a moment. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Listen what Paul said. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after, he says, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Be careful, he says. There are those out there that are grievous wolves that would want to come in and and begin to teach things that are not scripturally sound in the Word of God. I promise you, the person that teaches your children here at Mountain View, that teaches your youth here at Mountain View, that teaches your adult class here at Mountain View, to the best of my knowledge, have been born again, they're sound in doctrine, and they've been gifted to teach. Now, if you know otherwise or think otherwise, you need to come and and talk with me about that. And we'll talk with them about their relationship with the Lord. And so first to fill a leadership position, officer, teacher, a person must be saved, have a personal relationship, and have sound doctrine in the Word. But I jotted down something else. Not only a person must be saved and have a spiritual have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but that person must be spiritually gifted. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we want to look at first verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, familiar passage of Scripture. And Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Look, if you will, at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Now these are... Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Here's the point. If you've been saved, you have at least one spiritual gift. If you've been saved, you have a spiritual gift. Now, it may not be the spiritual gift that you want. 
It may not be the spiritual gift that you desire to have, but it is the gift that was given you by the Holy Spirit of God. Be content with that. He gave you that gift for you to use in the body of Christ. He gave you that particular gift or gifts in order that you can assist in building up and edifying the body of Christ. Because you see, the body of Christ functions on the gifts of its members. Now the point is this, if you're not using your gift, then the body of Christ, the church, is not functioning at its full potential. Every born-again believer is important in the body of Christ. Don't think for a moment that you're not important. God blessed you with a spiritual gift in order that you can build up and edify the body. You have what we need. And He placed you in this body because we need what you have. Don't think for a moment that you're not important. He did not save you to sit, but He saved you in order that you can serve. Now, you may not be serving in a in a leadership position such as a teacher or deacon or uh, some of those positions, church officer, but you're serving as part of the body. You'll be serving on committees. You'll be serving in, on different ministry teams based on the gifts that you have. And so you're very important. So a person in leadership must be saved, and then they're, they're gifted, And then third, I jotted this down. Third, they demonstrate spiritual fruit and not works of the flesh. Look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest in these. And he lists those. And then he says, but the fruit, in verse 22, of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. So the question is this. As you examine your own personal spiritual life, your own Christian life, is your life being led by the flesh or is it being led by the Spirit? Now, if your life is led by the flesh, if any of these are in your life, adultery, fornication, um, impurity, sensual, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, envy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like these, as one translation says, you're being led by the flesh. And not the Spirit. So the big question is this. If you were on the nominating committee. And you were seeking people to fill leadership positions in the church. Who would you feel that God would want? 
Those governed by the flesh or those governed by the Spirit? Which would be best for the body of Christ? Can you see how a person serving in leadership that was governed by the flesh would cause hurt and harm and be detrimental to the work of the Lord? Can you, can you understand how the pastor and other members would be confronted about leadership during the year if you had a person serving in some key leadership position and, and live a life in the flesh and not the spirit? You see, as a pastor and as an under-shepherd of Mountain View, I love every one of you. But my heart is broken today because some of you are allowing the sin of pride to hinder or to pre- prevent you from serving the Lord. Do you think, do you, do you really think that God accepts one act of service in the flesh? Do you think that God blesses anything you do or I would do in the flesh? You see, in order to be blessed of God, I must serve in the Spirit of God. Now, today, can you honestly say, I'm living in the Spirit of God. I'm living... In the Holy Spirit of God, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm being led daily by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the point. You cannot be led by the flesh and the Spirit at the same time. According to God's Word, they're contrary one to the other. Now, do you know the number one thing that grieves the Holy Spirit of God? Sexual sins? No. Oh, it does. But that's not the number one thing. Uh, Idolatry? You would think that would be, but, but it's not. Envy? Would envy be the number one thing? Look, if you will, at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse 30, where he speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 4, verse 30, he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. We usually stop at that verse. Verse 30, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. R.T. Kendall, the retired pastor of Westminster Chapel in London said this, and I really liked it in regards to this verse. He says, I've come to the conclusion that the primary way we grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives is by fostering bitterness in our hearts. Now notice, he came to the conclusion because bitterness is the first thing Paul mentions after warning us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You notice that, verse 30, Ephesians chapter 4. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Then he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Did you know that there is a road that leads to bitterness? You just don't start out being bitter. First of all, there is a hurt that comes to you 
by someone else. Someone said something or someone did something that hurt you. And then after the hurt, if you don't deal with that hurt with forgiveness, after the hurt, there is anger. And after anger, you have vengefulness. And after vengefulness, you have unforgiveness. And after unforgiveness, you have bitterness. There's a road. Hurt, anger, vengefulness, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Now listen, that unforgiveness prevents us from living in the Spirit of God. Now you may be a good parent. You may be a great spouse. You may be a a good neighbor. You may be faithful to the church and work at the church. But you will not be filled with the Spirit of God with malice in your heart. The Spirit will be grieved and will not flood your soul or your heart until you're willing to forgive. Therefore, let me encourage you today to choose. And notice I said choose. Choose forgiveness. You say, well, Brother Samuel, what's forgiveness? Forgiveness comes from a Greek word, charisma. A gift of grace. Literally, you extend grace to an individual. Here's the ideal. When a person hurts you, you forgive them because of the grace you extend to them. Not because they came to you and said, I'm sorry, and you forgive them. It's not because they come to you and apologize, would you please forgive me, and you forgive them. But you simply forgive them out of grace that you extend to them. Total forgiveness is when you extend grace to a person who has hurt you. Simply because you choose to forgive them. Whatever the offender did, whatever the offender didn't do, has no bearing on your choice to forgive them. You forgive them out of grace. You choose to extend unmerited grace. Sound familiar? Have you ever received that? Have you ever received unmerited grace? Does that type of grace sound familiar? By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? It's a gift of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Unmerited favor, unmerited grace unmerited forgiveness, you reach out and extend grace to an individual. Not because they apologize, not because they say I'm sorry, but you just extend grace. Now there's some evidence of that, if you have, and the first evidence of that is you choose not to keep a record of a wrong in that person. You don't keep bringing it up. You feel vindication belongs to the Lord, Romans 12, 19. You don't gossip about the one who's hurt you. you. You don't try to make that person look bad in a group of people. 
Jesus calls you to forgive others as He forgave you. So how does He forgive you? Well, Psalms 103. 103 verse 12. He says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Notice He covers it. He forgets it. Separates it as far as the east is from the west. And He never, never, never brings it up again. Now, whatever it is, you let it go by simply offering total forgiveness. And then immediately you'll experience an overflowing of the Holy Spirit in your life. But not until then. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how do I forgive? I'm going to close with this. It's real simple. Number one, ask God's help. Now, if God commanded us to forgive, well, then God will help us to forgive. He's not going to ask us to do anything that we're not capable of doing or He's not going to provide a way for us to do. So, ask God's help. He'll help you do it. Number two, choose to forgive. Now, it might have to be a daily choice. You might have to forgive every day for years and years and years until all of a sudden that bitterness is gone. And then don't tell anyone what they did. Just let them go in freedom. A guy by the name of Tim Kamel said this. He said, are, those, are there people whom you need to forgive? Do yourself a favor. Give them something they don't deserve, but desperately need. Give them the gift of forgiveness. It is a gift, once given, offers something in return. Your spirit gets a rest. So in order to be used in leadership position, person is saved, member of the local body of believers, spiritually gifted, willing to use their spiritual gifts, and then they demonstrate a spiritual fruit as opposed to the work of the flesh. Notice primarily in the act of forgiveness. And then be faithful in attendance. Faithful in attendance. You would be shocked if you'd sit around a committee table with a nominating committee and go down the list and see the number of people who profess to be Christians, who are inactive in church. To me, I do not understand that. A born-again believer who does not attend church, not that they have a physical problem where they can't come, but they just refuse to go. I don't understand that. In order to serve in the church, must be faithful. Be willing to attend the Lord's house 
and give yourself to Him and to His service. That's a sermon for another time. But let me just close and say this. There's so much to be done. So much to be done. And we, God's people, need to understand that we need to be people that live in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That we need to practice our spiritual gifts. That we need to allow and let people know in no uncertain terms that we're believers by the way that we live and by the testimony that we share. Every ministry of this church is important. Every ministry. But I'm burdened about two ministries in particular. I'm going to close with this. Our nursery ministry and our children's church ministry. Those ministries are suffering simply because we do not have the workers. Don't have the workers. Miss Martha Farmer has been our children's church minister for a number of years now, perhaps 15 years or longer. Last Sunday, she had 21 children from the ages of three years old through the third grade back there. She got their refreshments ready. She did their Bible study. She made sure that the refreshments were ready. Made sure they got served. She did the Bible study. She was the only adult back there. And thank the Lord she had some older children back there. We can do better than that. Our nursery is a place that we can begin to train children in Sunday school and worship. It's a place that we can provide good care, adequate care, great care for them. It's a place where families can come and know that their children will be taken care of. They'll be ministered to. They'll know they'll have the workers sufficient and it won't be children or teenagers back there as such, but it'll be adults back there. We need nursery workers. So I'm going to challenge you to sign up in the foyer in that children's welcome center area to help in children's church. Sherry, do we have a children's church sign-up sheet in that foyer? Is it children's church? Children's church. Just think, if we had 20 people to sign up for children's church, and we had four adults to go back there four weeks out of a month, that would be, let's say if we had 12. That would be one month back there, month in here people say well I don't want to miss the service well do you want to bring them all in here they're being taught their age limit I mean their age group they're being taught an extended service after Sunday school they're being taught a lot uh, where they can understand a lot better than what I'm teaching you in here as adults we just need some help same way with the nursery and so I believe that God has touched somebody's heart this morning to work in those two ministries. We're not asking you to stay all the time, but asking you to serve someplace in the church, and that just may be the place that God wants you to serve.
This morning, have you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? You're going to have an opportunity to do that right now. Terry's going to come and, and lead us into him. Just a moment, we're going to ask you to come. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit's drawing you this morning, you say, well, Brother Sammy, the Holy Spirit's convicted me that I'm lost and I need a Savior, then you need to come. And I'll share with you how you can accept Christ Jesus into your life to be your Lord, your Savior. Would you be willing to come in rededication of life? You might just want to come and pray about your spiritual gift and where God can use you or where he wants to use you. You come. A little later on, after the nominating committee works through the officers and teachers and positions, but then you'll, re you'll be receiving an insert in a bulletin about different ministry teams that you'll sign up and hopefully be able to, to serve in that area. But everyone will be able to serve wherever you feel that like you're gifted.